The way that Congress is treating money is a disincentive to save money in U.S. dollars. All right, folks, I'm here today with Senator Lummis. She is calling in from uh, the Senate building right now. They have, she's having a really busy day back to back. There's the infrastructure bill on everyone's minds. So we're going to dive right into it. Um, Senator, you recently tweeted in response to the infrastructure bill that, you know, quote unquote, secret bill drafting is more concerning for the future of financial innovation than these, you know, what Elizabeth Warren said, shadowy super coders. How bad is this? infrastructure bill really going to be for crypto? Well, we're trying to improve it, but thus far, I think there have been some negotiations going on between members of the Senate and uh, the Treasury Department uh, that uh, do not uh, adequately reflect uh, the situation on the ground in digital assets. For example, uh, currently it defines broker uh, in a way that could include everyone from Bitcoin miners, uh, people who are uh, putting uh, the blockchain uh, together, people who are custodying peer-to-peer uh, -peer assets, uh, or at least are part of the decentralized uh, effort rather than the centralized effort. It could include too many people under the definition of broker. So we're really trying to narrow that down and get a definition of broker that fits the digital asset space. Uh, too much of this is coming from fiat currency. And as you know, there's not a one-to-one -one relationship uh, between the kinds of definitions that are used for fiat currency and the kinds of definitions that should be used for non-fiat currency. So what happened here? We've got this massive, massive, you know, $500 billion bill or whatever the actual number is. Do you think that they were, uh, you know, the Treasury Department or whoever really put this in, were they looking for a way to add up the numbers and get to $500 billion, Or were they looking for a way to kind of take down crypto? Or was this just a win-win and you could hit both angles? Yeah, it could be. It could be both. You know, we have certain people that are uncomfortable with... Uh, digital assets uh, that may be trying to uh, gain control by the federal government over digital assets. Uh, and we may have people at Treasury who are just trying to uh, bulk up what we call the pay-fors uh, within the bill, trying to make sure that they can say that this bill is paid for. They were coming up with numbers that they thought they could obtain in tax revenue from uh, cryptocurrency transactions in excess of $30 billion, and we're using that uh, as uh, a score or a pay-for in the bill. Uh, and by our uh, understanding of the bill, uh, that's dramatically overstating uh, the amount of money that could be obtained through this bill from transactions and digital assets. So uh, we're trying to weigh in on this bill in a bipartisan way. Uh, we're working with uh, Senator Wyden from Oregon. We're working with Senator Toomey from Pennsylvania. Uh, Senator Cruz from Texas has taken an interest in this subject. Certainly, Marsha Blackburn is interested in this subject. Uh, Kirsten Cinema, who's one of the leaders of the effort to shape this bill, uh, is also my co-chair on the Financial Innovation Caucus. So we, we have some people who are... Uh, friendly to a regulatory environment that allows digital assets to innovate. Uh, 
but we also have uh, some people who are not. And unfortunately, the people who seem uh, less interested in supporting financial innovation are the ones that are in the room. And those of us who are not in the room while this bill is being drafted uh, are uh, sort of left to see what it looks like after the uh, less transparent uh, discussions uh, are, uh, are taken uh, care of. Uh, the, the Treasury, if I read into this correctly, the Treasury is the one that put the line about crypto into the bill. And if I also remember correctly, the Treasury is the same group that tried to kill crypto wallets several months back. So I'm curious, when you're in the room with these folks, what is the actual level of crypto and Bitcoin knowledge by the folks who really drafted this bill? Well, I, I fear that their knowledge is, is very basic, uh, that they're applying uh, concepts uh, to uh, non-fiat currency that they're used to applying to fiat currency, and they don't understand adequately the difference between the two. Uh, and instead of letting Congress uh, take uh, a lighter uh, footprint uh, with regard to the statutory and regulatory environment, uh, I think they're taking a heavy footprint in the name of tax collections. They're saying digital assets uh, are not reported, we're losing lots of tax revenue, this is bleeding tax revenue, we need to pay for this bill. Uh, and. Um, it, it's caused them to have uh, an, a, ma a major influence in the drafting of this bill thus far. So we're trying very hard to work with people who are more friendly to uh, innovation in this space to push back. This is, for many people, a very new, very new concept, very new space. Um, when I walk around here with books on uh, uh, digital assets, cryptocurrency, uh, my uh, colleagues uh, look at me like I'm different, uh, and it's because they haven't uh, taken the time to explore this. It's viewed in Washington uh, as a very minor issue within uh, the financial uh, regulatory space. Uh, and, and furthermore, they don't see how fast it's happening. Uh, it, has, it is happening faster than I thought it could when I first got here in January. And so not only uh, are we not up to speed uh, with the status of things today, we're not up to speed on the status of things a year ago. Now think about how far behind the eight ball that puts a lot of people in the financial innovation space. Some people within the regulatory space uh, at the uh, Commodities Futures Trading Commission, at the FDIC, at the SEC, uh, and some people at the Fed seem to be catching up, uh, but we're pedaling the bicycle really fast just to catch up. And then now we've got Treasury, which I do not believe uh, is uh, anywhere near uh, as uh, thoroughly versed on these issues as uh, some of the agencies I already mentioned. They're the ones who now are, are legislating, influencing legislation uh, on this subject within the uh, bricks and mortar infrastructure bill. So I'm really worried about the influencing they're having over the process and I'm delighted that Finance Committee Chairman uh, Wyden uh, is, uh, is weighing in on this. I hope he's very successful. 
fun fun fact i actually used to uh, work for wyden um, oh. back in 2014 um I, I worked on the hill for a year for wyden so i'm i'm actually i'm, I'm really happy to see that uh things like crypto and bitcoin are, are becoming this uh you know folks are crossing kind of these so-called party lines to move the industry forward yeah it seems to be a really bipartisan issue uh, it really is the first issue that Senator Wyden and I have had a chance to work on together. Um, but I've worked with other Democrats on this subject and other Republicans. Uh, and not all of them are the same people that you would guess uh, would take an interest on this. So when I see anyone uh, within the Senate uh, talk about this, tweet about this, uh, engage on this subject, I really I try to... Uh, develops a relationship with them so we can work on these things together because this is a very nonpartisan or bipartisan, whichever way you want to describe it, uh, subject. And the fact that we can work on it together on a bipartisan basis, I think, uh, will give it more street credibility in terms of trying to pass legislation. But it, it's also just better for the digital asset industry. Can you can you tell us what actually happens on the ground? Like when you see someone like Elizabeth Warren saying, you know, these shadowy super coders, does like what acts, you know, we all, we all get up in arms on Twitter, obviously, but what's actually happening on the ground? Like, does someone go to her to, you know, Senator Warren's office and say, look, like you may have gotten this wrong. Like, is there a meeting that's called or it's just like a mutual disagreement and, and understanding that she might not know what she's talking about, or are, folk, or are most folks in her camp? Like, what, what's actually happening on the ground here, Senator? Well, that's a great question. Uh, we're still trying to develop an understanding of uh, what's happening on, on these issues ourselves. I have not personally reached out to her. Um, I think that her remarks uh, are somewhat alarming, uh, so I hope to schedule a meeting with her about this, but I haven't done so yet. I'm also hopeful that her Democrat colleagues like Senator Wyden uh, are reaching out to her to uh, have a intra-party discussion about these issues. But um, we're, um, we're legislating, in my opinion, in this bill uh, on cryptocurrency before we're ready to. Uh, and uh, I would rather see the committee process work here uh, on the banking committee, we, we seem to have developed uh, a level of uh, understanding about the importance of um, taking a light touch in, in terms of statutory and regulatory frameworks, at least for now, notwithstanding uh, the senator from Massachusetts. Uh, and um, we're working with the House uh, on a bipartisan basis on these issues as well. Um, and it's also true on the Commerce Committee. Uh, so when you have Senator Toomey from Banking, uh, you have Senator Wyden, the Chairman of the Finance Committee, uh, and you have Marsha Blackburn on the Commerce Committee and others weighing in on this, it gives us an opportunity to cast a wide net uh, in understanding where policy might get made on these subjects and to make sure that the people on the committees that are likely to have jurisdiction uh, have a knowledge base uh, that is is shared among both parties. So that's the goal. We're not there yet. And that's why I hate to see uh, the subject of digital asset uh, and the taxation components of it uh, get a little convoluted in this bricks and mortar uh, infrastructure bill.
Yeah. You said that you were working with, um, with Senator Wyden on the definition of a broker. Mm-hmm. And you said that, you know, it, it, it feels like folks, uh, you know, the legislature's understanding of a broker as com- in crypto is a little outdated, you know, potentially. What, what, what did you mean by this? Like, where do you think they got it wrong? Well, they're including too many people. Uh, for example, it would seem that someone who is in the business of mining or staking, which is validating distributed ledger transactions, could get lumped in to the definition of broker. So we want to make sure that those people are excluded from the definition of broker. We want to make sure that any person who's solely engaged in the business of selling hardware or software uh, that individuals might use to control private keys um, are excluded. We want to make sure that people who are engaged in the business of developing digital assets or their corresponding protocols for use by other persons are addressed. These are, these are the kind of things that we're trying to shape uh, at the same time that we have had limited access to these uh, sort of secret negotiations. I think you nailed that. I think uh, you'll get a, a good response from the community on that answer. Um, all right, pivoting from the infrastructure bill a little bit, Senator, you have been a fiscal hawk for a long time. Um, why do you care so much about fiscal policy? Well, you know, I'm, I'm eligible for Social Security, let me put it that way. I've been saving my <laughs> whole life. And uh, I feel like my own savings are being eroded uh, when inflation goes up, uh, when we debase the value of the U.S. dollar. Uh, And so one of the reasons I became so interested in uh, digital currency uh, was because it's not tied to the U.S. dollar. It's not tied to any fiat currency. Uh, And so uh, to me, there's a comfort level in knowing there's some store of value out there that's not tied Uh, to the U.S. dollar or another fiat currency because the Congress is spending too much money. Uh, It is fueling inflation. We're seeing it right now. Uh, We have seen since um, the turn of the century uh, that at one point we were below $5 trillion in debt. And now we're bumping up against $30 trillion in debt. We're uh, spending money at uh, 100% of uh, GDP, our debt is 100% of GDP. My gosh, that is a tipping point uh, for uh, trouble. Uh, and we just seem to blow through these numbers as if they were insignificant. Uh, so I've been, the first time I ran for Congress, which was in 2008, uh, I did it because I was worried about our debt. And at that time, our debt was a little less than $10 trillion. And now, uh, we're just going to blow through $30 trillion like it didn't matter. Uh, so uh, this has always been an issue that I've, ha- I've been concerned about. You know, I look at people who are uh, working really hard every day only to find out that their dollar is worth less than it was when they first earned it. Uh, and uh, it, it, it's cruel And it's really, it's most cruel to people who uh, are working paycheck to paycheck. Uh, And so I just think it's a healthier uh, America uh, if people who are saving for their future and responsible with their money are rewarded for that. 
But the way that Congress is treating money, uh, it is a disincentive to save money in U.S. dollars. And, and I just, I want to fight it. I'm going to keep fighting it. At the same time, uh, I'm kind of relieved that there's this safety net out there, this safe harbor uh, that is uh, a non-fiat currency. When you say that we're at a tipping point and that we're potentially in for some trouble, what kind of trouble do you see coming from something like currency debasement? Well, certainly the most immediate concern that I have is inflation. Uh, we had terrible inflation uh, when I was first out of college and, in, and got into debt to, to buy some agricultural land. Uh, and I personally guaranteed the loan. Uh, I also uh, mortgaged the property. And in the early 1980s, we were paying 14% interest on agricultural land. Uh, and we barely were able to make the payments at that kind of an interest rate. And non-ag loans were even higher than that. So when, uh, when I was a young person in agriculture, uh, there were people whose families uh, were having to just turn the keys to the ranch right back to the bank and move into town and, and do jobs that they weren't, that they didn't want to do, but they just needed the work. And so I've seen the effects of runaway inflation and the high interest rates that tend to accompany them because what, of course, the Fed would try to do when you've got an overheated economy and, and runaway inflation is try to, uh, to slow the economy down, uh, to cool it off, uh, and it, it has a devastating effect. So whether you've got a home mortgage or uh, a business mortgage or, uh, in my case, uh, a, more, a ranch mortgage, uh, it just, it's demoralizing. I don't know what else to say. It's truly demoralizing. And so since I've been through it myself, uh, I, I have a real personal innate fear of inflation. So that's my most immediate concern. The long-term concern uh, is that, you know, here's people putting money in uh, a 401k or a Keogh plan or, or, and doing the responsible thing. And yet the money isn't going to be worth uh, as much when they begin to retire and take it out. So they're always, always pursuing a goal that they can never meet because the value of the money they're saving is worth less and less over time. And I just, those are the two cruel realities uh, of an, an irresponsible Congress. It's interesting. It feels like right now some of the smartest investors in the world believe that rampant inflation is coming. And meanwhile, a lot of you know, your colleagues in the Senate and in the House believe that, you know, and in, in, in the media as well, believe that this is just transitory. How worried are you about runaway inflation? Well, I'm very worried because I think that's what I'm seeing uh, when I go home on the weekends. I have a friend who's a home builder, a home that cost him $305,000 all in to build and put on the market last year, just a year ago. Uh, now costs him 180000 to build and put on the market. Now think about if you're uh, a young homeowner uh, and the, the value, the same house, the very same house uh, has gone up $75,000 in one year. Uh, well, let's say you only make $75,000 in a year, uh, which is more than the average salary in my home state. 
you know, it begins to put it out of reach in, in a very short time. And one of the things that has kept uh, these uh, houses available uh, to young home buyers is interest rates. But if interest rates have to go up, uh, it's, it's going to put those homes out of reach. So you'll have the combination of higher interest rates and higher home costs, and we'll have fewer, and people, fewer and fewer people who are able to afford them. The same is true with new cars. The same is true with used cars. The same is true with renting cars. The same is true with hotels. The same is true with vacations, airfare. With everything going up, including food, um, uh, the disposable income uh, just doesn't go as far as it has. Do you think that Jay, so, you know, I was telling you I used to work for Senator Wyden. My, my grandfather also used to be a, a U.S. senator. So I, I have a lot of sympathy for folks in your position because it's a, it's a very, very tough job. Um, Who is your grandfather? You, my grandfather was Howard Metzenbaum from oh, Ohio. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. Um, on, on the other side, obviously, uh, on yes. the other side of you, you know, uh, but I, I, I do have some hope that he would have been, he's no longer with us, but I do have some hope that he would have been a, a, a Bitcoiner, you know, one likes to think, but, um, <laughs> does Senator see, Wyden where, where, own any Bitcoin? I haven't asked him. You know, I will have, you, you should ask him. I'm not sure. I, uh, I'm not sure that it is kosher to uh, share on this podcast anything, but I would love for for you to ask him. Yeah, exactly. Um, Let's see. In terms of, like, my question for you is, I've got a lot of sympathy for folks in in your position, but, uh, you know, like Jay Powell, I guess I'm, you know, everyone has this argument around inflation where the, you know, 50% of the country owns assets in times of inflation, the assets increase in value. So honestly, 50% of the country is going to make out just fine. The 50% mm-hmm. of the country that doesn't own assets is going to get really, really hurt. It's kind of this simple argument that that seems to be quite true. Someone like Jay Powell, is he scared of, like, does he not understand this? Does he genuinely believe that inflation is transitory? Does he genuinely believe you can in, print massive amounts of money and we won't get inflation? Is he worried about his job and he doesn't want to be the one stuck holding the bag? Like, what, what is going on here? I would love it if he would come on your podcast and you would ask him those questions. Uh, you know, originally when he said he thought it, inflation was transitory, I think he believed it. I think he's changing his tune on that. I think he is now more concerned that it's not transitory, that it's, it is going to stick around for a while. Uh, I d- there has been no indication that that is uh, precipitating a change in policy at the Fed. Uh, but I think they're starting to realize it's happening. Um, I think when you look at statistics, like he looks at every day, he's looking at data, he's looking at price indices. It's a little bit like if you go to the doctor and the doctor uh, tells you uh, what's wrong with you without asking you how you feel. He's just looking at your charts. He's paying no attention to you as a person. He's looking at your charts. I kind of think that's the way that Jay Powell is here. He's looking at the charts and he's not going to the grocery store. He's not going to the gas station. He's not trying to buy a home. Uh, And because of that, he is uh, um, looking at statistics that are not um, reflective 
uh, of uh, boots on the ground experience out in our in our states, and that's why we kept trying to tell him, uh, Jay. Prices are higher now in April than they were in March, and then the next month the same was true, and then in June even higher uh, than in May, uh, and much higher. In fact, I think that uh, inflation in June was the highest one-month inflation uh, that we've had in like 30 years. Uh, I think he's starting to see it now, uh, but those of us who are just living our lives and talking to people who are living our normal lives really are the ones who were feeling it directly and feeling it early. Go talk to a small business owner if you want to know if inflation exists. It's exactly the, right. They'll tell you. Um, the, I, I have two questions, then we can wrap it up here. One is um, the, a lot of crypto founders, uh, myself included, um, who've, who've been at this for a while, I think we are worried. I think the thing that keeps some of us up at night is like the quote-unquote big boss right? Like the, the big decision that, or really impactful regulatory decision that could happen. And it does feel like there are some regulatory things like this where we're, you know, we're, we're nervous about it, but it could get so, so, so much worse. And just like, you know, gambling 15 years ago, if the government really wants to crack down on something, it can crack down on it. What is the biggest or like worst case scenario for the crypto industry, do you think? Mm, I... I, I think it's uh, concern about the regulatory environment as opposed to the statutory environment. Um, it's hard to tell where uh, the, the regulators are being cautious about it and where they're being aggressive. It looks to me like Treasury is being very aggressive in a negative way. Uh, towards cryptocurrency, so we need we all need to keep our eye on Treasury and try to work with them. Uh, but they're in a unique position. So um, while I've been trying to work with uh, the SEC, uh, with the Fed, uh, with the FDIC, uh, with the uh, CFTC, uh, the Treasury seems to be the one that is. Uh, flexing their muscles the most and in a negative way. And I think that's the biggest concern right now is to get regulators to back off and take a deep breath and let us all uh, work through this in a very open and transparent forum uh, so somebody's not behind the scenes like Treasury's doing right now apparently uh, trying to upend these discussions uh, at a time when they can really do a lot of damage uh, to innovation. Last question for you that a lot of folks on Twitter asked is, who is the smartest senator outside yourself on Bitcoin <laughs> right now? <laughs> That's a great question. You know, some, some people are surprising me. Uh, Marsha Blackburn knows a lot more about it than uh, I, I first was aware of. Uh, there are senators who have asked for books that I have and said, hey, send me a copy of that book. Uh, one of those is Tom Tillis. I think that he's one of those people who just genuinely doesn't know anything about it and chose to read about it. Uh, so I think you're going to see from people who are inquisitive, just intellectually inquisitive, uh, that they're going to come along and want to be part of things. Um, I think John Hickenlooper from Colorado is someone who will take an interest in this in a bigger way. 
Uh, of course, Kirsten Cinema. she's super smart. She graduated from college when she was 18 years old. And this is someone who came out of a very, very rough uh, family uh, background and, and tough financial background as a kid. So she's a very uniquely smart person. Uh, and But there are a lot of people like that in, in the Senate. So the goal here is to get to know them uh, Pat Toomey surprised me when he released his financial reports and we found out that, was that great. he owned digital assets. I didn't know that. And I've been working <laughs> with him on these subjects for months and I didn't know he owned digital assets. So, um, there are some surprises out there. And so we, when we find those surprises here, we really try to engage with those people because it's those people that are going to be in a position, uh, to shape decision-making. You know, I, I, I don't think... I don't know if Treasury would pick up the phone to talk to me if I called him, but they'd pick up the phone for Senator Wyden, you know, because he's chairman of the Finance Committee. You know how this goes. You worked for him. So um, it's that's why it's so important to have people on different committees, different parties, uh, and different states to engage on the subjects because you never know where the next threat or um, great idea is going to come from. Yeah, I think there are a lot of pessimists out there, but especially what, as it comes to uh, regulation and crypto, but I'm, I'm weirdly optimistic, I would say. I love seeing folks like Senator Wyden get involved because, you know, someone like Wyden has, has seen things like the, you know, the, the dot-com boom and, you know, the internet really take, you know, stronghold and seen what it's done to America, having the internet get basically birthed in, in America and seeing what it's done for, for our country. And I think that there are a lot of, um, you know, folks in the house and in the Senate who are going to start to realize that, uh, you know, what we're building with this industry with Bitcoin and digital assets and crypto and DeFi is just, just like what we built with the internet. And it's much more beneficial to America to have it built here than push folks overseas. So exactly right. And this whole exercise over this infrastructure bill has sort of started driving us to a, uh, a couple of understandings. One, who is interested in this topic, uh, who is uh, innovation friendly, like Senator Wyden, uh, and also just understanding the urgency for those of us who are interested to start pulling together uh, so we can shape the policy and not just defer to regulatory agencies because we're bound to not like what we get if we defer. Totally. And I think, honestly, when you start, uh, when you're Senator Wyden or you're Senator Toomey, or, uh, Toomey and you start tweeting out about, uh, you know, criticizing the infrastructure bill and your tweets have more engagement than you've gotten in your, you know, all year, <laughs> right? You start to realize that, you know, elect, if you're an elected official, you know that now there's a big part of your constituency that is probably younger and probably likes digital assets. And so, um, and I'm so, yeah. so happy that they're engaging on this. Uh, because that's how uh, senators know that the policies they make uh, are affecting real people who are trying to innovate and how they're being affected by it and that they're so-called not going to take it, that they're going to fight back. And that's what uh, is so helpful. So I want to encourage people uh, in this uh, industry uh, to be vocal. When you see Congress doing things that uh, are detrimental or potentially detrimental, for crying out loud, let us know, uh, because we do pay attention. We are responsive in that way. Amazing. 
Senator Lummis, this was such an honor having you on the show. Thank you for giving us your thoughts about you know, Fed policy, uh, you know, fiscal policy, inflation, the infrastructure bill. Uh, I think you know, it's a biased podcast, but there are a lot of folks listening who really love the work that you're doing. So we, we applaud you. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed meeting you. Awesome. All right, Senator Lummis, take care.